0: I'm Steve Fisher. DNA is the genetic code in all living beings. What if you could edit yours? You could remove predispositions to negative medical conditions or how your body handles harmful chemicals or how it digests certain foods. For the most part, the technology is controlled by pharmaceutical companies, but some scientists are trying to open the doors for all. Health and science reporter Lana Schwartz decided to give it a try.
1: I like to learn about science. I like to have fun with these things. And editing kidney cells at home seems like a a fun thing with pretty minor consequences in that if my kidney cells died, okay, that's it. That's the end. There's no, like Joe jokes, that there's no monster that's going to grow out of your sink.
0: She's here to talk about her time playing with DNA on Life Slices. (laughs) Welcome, Lana Schwartz, to Life Slices. Who is Lana Schwartz?
1: Hmm. That's a there's a lot of different things that I am. I'd start start off by saying I'm a science writer. I'm really interested in how a lack of scientific communication can impact healthcare outcomes, specifically healthcare inequity. I'm also a sister. I was once a student pretty recently. I'm also a fiance.
0: Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Perfect for Valentine's Day. We are recording on Valentine's Day, yes. So I'm I'm glad I didn't send candies. I don't don't want your (laughs) fiancé to get jealous or anything. What made you want to become a, a writer, and especially in the fields of healthcare and science?
1: Yeah, I've always had an interest in science. I think just going through my own healthcare issues, as many people do, I discovered that the healthcare system in America maybe wasn't as fantastic as it could have been, right? As many of us find out when we go through our first health struggles. Yeah, and I just became interested in how certain doctors were aware of one treatment and other doctors didn't either didn't have access to it, knowledge about it. Anecdotally, I've seen a lot of people leave their doctor's appointments and go searching on Google for hours on end trying to figure out something that maybe they couldn't come to in their appointments with their healthcare providers. And I just think that's really interesting that people aren't able to feel like they've gotten the correct diagnoses through their medical appointments. And I just figured that communication could really help speed that up.
0: It's amazing. I was just having a conversation with an old friend from college and we were talking as old guys do about health <laughs> health issues and it's like okay what pains did you wake up with today all right, uh, right. Th- let's go through the checklist and we notice doctors don't touch patients anymore they sit across from you and they talk yeah. to you and they ask a bunch of questions they say okay you're fine go home and it's right. like do you don't you want to poke something if i'm saying i'm i have a pain here they don't poke they don't they don't do anything
1: mm-hmm.
0: unless you want to go for an expensive test
1: Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting because as a young person when I was first sort of experiencing this, I thought, oh, well, these doctors maybe don't care so much about me or I just have to find a doctor who really cares. But as I learned more about how the system works, I've realized that, or at least from what I'm consuming and from the information that I've been getting from other people, it's a top down issue in that healthcare providers are pushed to make their appointments really fast. They have to see 40 patients in a day. And I just, if you've got a complicated problem, how as a doctor are you able to really find out what's wrong with your patient in 10 minutes? And or nonetheless, to read new scientific literature, find out about a new therapy that could be benefiting your patients. If you're working your ass off all day (laughs) until 5 p.m. and then you want to go home and relax. I just think it's an issue in terms of improving patient care.
0: Okay, I can, I can talk about this topic all day long as, as yeah. something near <laughs> and dear to my heart. But mm-hmm. let's jump to the reason I contacted you is what inspired the article on Vice on I edited human DNA at home with a DIY CRISPR kit.
1: Well, it's funny, I found out about the kit through a job that I was at a year ago. It was a signing bonus. Actually, my coworkers had told me about the kit, they had tried it themselves. And said, Well, you know, we'll give you the signing bonus by buying the kit for you if you come on. And it was a lot of fun to try. The kit for background, for people that don't know, you're able to attempt to edit live human kidney cells, the DNA of them, to make them antibiotic resistant. And it's pretty fun. You kind of walk around with pipettes in both hands. You're rewinding the instructions a million times, trying to get it right. But yeah, I thought it was fun. And I think. We can get into this a little bit more, but talking to Joe Zayner, who's the owner of the company, uh, brought to light some deeper questions behind the technology and behind healthcare access as well when it comes to genetic engineering.
0: Was the goal in the experiment ever to actually inject yourself with anything?
1: That's a no. So the experiment itself was confined to kidney cells in a little dish. My coworkers named it Kevin. Endearingly, <laughs> <laughs> we had a little Kevin kidney living in our creon your uh, pet
0: your own pet
1: yeah. kidney. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I mean, another thing to consider is that whatever I'm doing to these little cells in a dish, it looks kind of like a booger, like it's just a little swab <laughs> of juice. I, I don't know how else to describe that
0: it. Sounds lovely,
1: yeah, yeah, gorgeous, smells good too. Whatever I'm doing to those would be extremely difficult at least from my mind, as someone who's new to this science, who doesn't have a degree in genetic engineering, to then do that to myself, it's it's kind of like, if I could think of an analogy, it's like doing a simple arithmetic problem and then jumping into high level astrophysics or calculus, like whatever's confined here is going to be very different than what I would need to do to myself to actually accomplish a change. Or... Create well, I mean, I was going to say, or create damage, but that I don't know
0: <laughs> well well, that's the the whole thing. I mean, the thought of being able to do this at home is kind of interesting and frightening at the same time, Definitely. because if you could actually get to a point where you could inject yourself or ingest somehow this DNA, I could see all these people out there trying to turn themselves into the incredible Hulk, yeah. And and, and that could not go well, in my opinion.
1: I agree. Yeah. Uh, It's a really interesting topic. I mean, I think something really profound. I mean, first of all, I'll preface this by saying I definitely play Switzerland here, especially from the article's perspective. I didn't want to take one opinion over the other. I Mm -hmm. just tried to uh, sort of collect all of the different points on the subject. But in ter- when we're talking about The Incredible Hulk and things like that, it, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I think that's the danger and the concern. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think that someone could, for for example, in the article, I had mentioned that Zayner told me where you could get these materials to edit yourself. What Joe meant was that you can order materials to edit a very specific Genetic sequence in your genome. It wouldn't be enough to turn you into the Hulk or make you fly or change your eye color or something something incredible like that.
0: All right, I'll spe- I'll settle for Spider Man. If, <laughs> if, if for no other reason, the, y- the youthful aspect of it, and I'll take that. For those who don't know, what is CRISPR?
1: CRISPR is a, a means of editing DNA. It it's pretty broad, and I I don't want to get beyond my own scope. I am just a writer. I don't have a degree in genetic engineering. But yeah, I would I would leave it at that for now.
0: Now I know you had to take an online class, I believe, as part of the experiment. I did. That, what was that class like?
1: Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was fun. It was a YouTube live situation, and all the students would comment and ask questions, and Joe and their partner uh, David Ishii. Uh, who was also in that Netflix documentary on natural selection would sit there at their lab table and use the pipettes and whatever else whatever other materials came with the kit and just sort of explain to the students step by step what to do and why we were doing it and then we could ask any questions or crack a joke or Joe would be drinking Red Bulls a lot. It, it, was a, it was a fun experience for sure. It was definitely unique. I
0: yeah, don't think I, I've ever done I, like I that. had professors in college who drank something other than Red Bull. And by the end of the <laughs> class, we don't know where they were. Explain how the experiment worked. And just to be clear, Joe it, themselves does not have a genetic background, right?
1: You mean a background in genetic it, engineering? Yeah. They do, actually. Oh, they
0: do? Okay.
1: Yeah. And they they worked at NASA for a while as well, doing, from my understanding, work on genetic engineering.
0: I think they were trying to create aliens to attack us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: That's what all the balloons in the sky
0: are. That's it. That's all came from DNA. So explain how the experiment works. What do you actually have to do when you get the? What's in the kit?
1: So you open this big box. There's an amateur microscope in there. There's an amateur incubator, or it's a heating plate, basically, so you can keep your kidney cells at the appropriate temperature. You have live kidney cells that are in little, if you can imagine, they're called wells, but I like to describe them as dishes to most people because that's what they look like. They're tiny dishes, and you have these little kidney cells inside. You can't really see them until you put them under the microscope. They just look like it swab of dead skin or a booger, as I said before, and they're immersed in pink liquid called media, which is essentially what keeps them alive. It has nutrients and things like that. So what you'll do is you and then there's a bunch of liquids that are involved in the CRISPR process of you actually trying to edit the DNA. So you can so. The first day of class, they'll they'll teach you how to grow the kidney cells, how to keep them alive, how often you have to replace the media. And then step by step, they'll say, you know, add this liquid to this liquid, and then we'll add it here, and that's supposed to go inside the gene and change it. The whole class was once a week, I think over four weeks, or maybe it was six weeks. But so the experiment was to make the kidney cells resistant to antibiotics. So half of your plates. There's like eight of them, eight dishes with the kidney cells inside. Half of them, you can kill them off, essentially, by putting the antibiotics they provide in there, and you can watch them die. Then the idea is you edit some of the remaining cells to be resistant to the antibiotics, add, a, add the antibiotics to all your cells, and see if they survive.
0: Huh? So you evidently failed. I did fail. <laughs> what did you do wrong?
1: I, I don't know. And that's kind of the fun of it. Like, I, I think that's supposed to be what, how science goes, right? Is it's not perfect every time. But yeah, David, Ishii, and, and Joe, the owners of the company emphasized to us as students that it's normal for it to not work sometimes. It could be that I didn't pick up enough of the liquid in my pipette. The liquids are, they give you a very, very tiny amount. And if right. I don't pick up the right amount, And it's not provided to the cells, then maybe the edited gene won't get in there, if that makes sense. But what's nice about the company is that they'll send you more materials if you want to retry your experiment. But there was a Facebook group, and I got to watch my classmates either fail or succeed as well.
0: So what are you supposed to achieve with this thing? If it's not for any kind of self-treatment, what is the goal of even doing this?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask, right? For me, originally, it was a fun science experiment. I'm a, a bit of a dorky nerd. I like, I like to learn about science. I like to have fun with these things. And editing kidney cells at home seems like a, a fun thing with pretty minor consequences in that, if my kidney cells died, okay, th- that's it, that's the end. There's no, like Joe jokes, that there's no monster that's gonna grow out of your sink when you're done with the experiment.
0: Darn! For others, what, what say that? <laughs> Darn! I want a monster.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you have a pet. I want my very um, own monster. You should try. You should ask Joe. But I, when I talked to Joe about the the class for the piece, the the piece I wrote, mm-hmm. they explained a little bit more. They, they explained that there was a little bit more to the intention of the class, in that Joe is after a future where genetic engineering, or at least from my understanding, genetic engineering is democratized, meaning everyone has access to it. Joe brought up a really interesting point in, in that there are three genetic therapies available right now on the market. They're all between a million, or it's really $800,000 and $2 million a dose. For these rare conditions, one of which, well, there was sup- supposed to be the, fir- the first one. So I guess there were, there were four, was not profitable enough, according to pharmaceutical companies, to put it on the market. And it's patented, so no one can have access to the technology. And Joe's point was that there are people out there suffering right now and a treatment exists, but it's locked away. I can make this in my kitchen. Why shouldn't I be able to? Which, of course, there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be able to. But their point is that the the technology should be more open and accessible than it is now.
0: I can understand that desire and wanting to do that. It just frightens Mm -hmm. me to think (laughs) that at some point in our future, we'll all be playing with our own DNA. And without having to go to a a doctor or a clinic or anything. And just who knows what the consequences might be, because I know that the consequences can be cancer, which would not be good. You don't certainly Mm want to put it in your body, let alone trying to get it out. Then there's that phrase off target effects. Yeah, that's a fright. That's the frightening one. That's the part where we all become Marvel superheroes or supervillains. And that's a frightening concept. It seems to me, yes, I would love to be able to change any bad DNA in me, but I don't want to do it at the risk of becoming the hideous sun demon or something.
1: Right, right. Or developing some sort of, my boyfriend or fiance, actually, recently fiance, put it as, well, you know, he has an ex autoimmune condition. He was like, well, you know, we could edit out my my ex, but then maybe I'll turn up blind. Uh, Wouldn't want that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's not that simple, but, and a lot of people argue that it's safer than it is. I th- I think that's, it's not safer than it sounds, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's beyond my scope. If if you saw in the article, Dr. Largespada, mm-hmm. I was really surprised. I, I had emailed him um, and asked, you know, hey, the, explaining the whole Zaynor situation and, and what Zaynor believes in. And Dr. Spada wrote back and was pretty optimistic about it. Wow. Which I wasn't expecting. But from from his point of view, it's it's not as dangerous as we might presume. And it's, it's not as simple as editing, trying to edit uh, X disease out and then ending up with something completely different.
0: That, then you worry, of course, if you get a bad government, putting it in the water supply or something so everyone can <laughs> yeah. trying to create the perfect master race again
1: definitely. The eugenics is a huge concern.
0: How far as a journalist would you go for a story if this experiment had required you to inject it into yourself? Would you Mm -hmm. have done that?
1: No, that's a strong no for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to report on somebody who was doing it anyway without me asking them to. But yeah, yeah, i Personally, it's that's not something that I would try.
0: So, how, But how far would you go if NASA came to you and said, okay, we want to shoot you up on the next ship to, to the space to station Mars. or to okay. Mars or whatever, yeah. uh, as the first journalist in orbit, what, would you do it? Nope. <laughs> well, maybe you really, yeah. you're a chicken.
1: Yeah, maybe I am.
0: But actually, that's probably wise. I don't even understand when they send... Reporters out into a storm.
1: The tornado chasers.
0: Seeing you getting blown into the ocean is not going to make me any more aware of what a hurricane is. And the same thing with war correspondents. You know, they put themselves at risk all the time. What is your goal? Where do you want to go in your career?
1: I am currently preparing to go to medical school. I've been writing for a while now. I'm in college almost two years, so. I'm I'm a little bit of a baby when it comes to my experience, but I think communication of science is something that I want to be part of my career forever. So, even when I do become a doctor, I want to work to bring new therapies to both the providers that can provide it and and maybe also having a role in healthcare policy somehow to try to improve patient outcomes here in the States. Obviously, we're in a much better situation than many countries, many developing countries. But when you look at our healthcare outcomes compared to how much we're spending, we spend like 18% of GDP on on healthcare, whereas most other industrialized countries spend around 10% and have better healthcare outcomes. I'd love to work on that somehow. It's something I'm still exploring, but...
0: You might have to run for office at some point.
1: I don't know about that one. It's almost like uh, sending me to Mars.
0: I think Mars would be preferable than going to Washington, D.C.
1: Yeah, maybe, probably.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you talk about the, the medical situation, and the healthcare system in other countries. We hear all the time, or I at least have heard from people in the UK and Canada about how, yes, socialized medicine is a, is great, but we have to wait months and months for an appointment mm-hmm. i moved recently moved to a small town and it's the same problem here i mean even that- with american healthcare i have to wait months to see somebody yeah
1: that's an interesting point too like rural Rural access to healthcare is so poor. I think that's why a lot of states are thinking about uh, allowing nurse practitioners to prescribe medications. I know a lot have already, but just improves access on that front. There are endless problems, right? <laughs> like, we could it. go on forever. Um, and I don't know that socialized medicine is really the answer either, potentially, but there's problems there as well, as you point out.
0: When you want to write an article on something, how do you get your ideas? I mean, are you assigned these stories, or do you just see something and go, oh, that looks interesting. I want to delve into that.
1: Probably more of the latter. I'm also a writer for clinics, and I've written for some pharmaceutical companies before, some smaller groups, smaller pharmaceutical companies. On those fronts, I'm assigned articles, and they'll say, explain our technology to the average Joe, which I love doing, because again, that gets back at sort of my message of science communication in my career. But in terms of writing for groups like Vice, that one was just a story I thought people would want to hear. So I pitched it and it, and they liked it and it went well. But yeah, so I guess it's a mix.
0: When you're writing for an individual pharmaceutical company or clinic or something, do you ever get pushback on, no, don't talk about that, that's too negative, even though you want yeah. to open people's eyes as to the consequences as... Well as the benefits,
1: yeah, it's definitely that's definitely true, and it's difficult. I think that's part of my motivation of wanting to become a physician, is I want to be in a spot where I can be completely honest, and I hope. I mean, I hope that I'm not pressured from outside forces to not do that when I become a physician. But yeah, it's definitely. They'll tell me. They'll hand me an outline and, and say write this, 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 and this, and this is the conclusion. And over here is the limitations or the issues with the study. And it is, it's an interesting thing to juggle morally as a writer is to be able to flesh out what the problems might be with whatever technology I'm promoting.
0: When you become a physician, and I'm hoping that sooner rather than later, because we need you, if you can come up here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we use all the doctors we can get. Is there a particular field that you want to specialize in?
1: Yeah, this is funny when I always talk about this. Um, I, I think the microbiome is really fascinating since it, the gut microbiome. It's a rapidly changing field from my understanding. So I, I think gut health is really interesting. I think hormones are really interesting. So maybe internal medicine, but it may be fertility as well to talk about. But I think the declining fertility rates in our, in our country, what really the world too, is pretty fascinating. I could go on forever.
0: You're talking about hope. Hopefully, as a physician, you wouldn't have the pushback, but you will from the insurance companies. I will because they will tell you you can't do that. That's too expensive. We're not going to cover that. I hate that. It's like why should an insurance company be able to tell me how my medical treatment's going to go?
1: Right, right. And then your doctor, right? It, it's it's tough. It puts them in a really tough position. Do you offer your patients something that they'd have to pay out of pocket for? Can you even? Are your higher ups going to allow you to suggest that? It, it's a really tricky
0: You have situation. to go to Mexico or China to get the treatment.
1: Yeah, I'll open my Bahamas clinic and you guys can
0: offer <laughs> Oh, well, that's not, okay. That I'll go for. <laughs> I, I'll I'll be happy to come for an office visit, in, but in the Bahamas. Yeah,
1: on the beach, perfect.
0: What of all the topics you have written about? What was the one that surprised you the most? That, as opposed to the expectations you went in to the assignment with.
1: That's a good question. I would say writing about IGY technology, which is a new form of antibody therapy. It's really. It sounds like science fiction which is why I was a little apprehensive but I think it's really exciting. Essentially, when you know how when you when a human female breastfeeds their child, they're passing on antibodies mm-hmm. through their milk. Chickens do the same thing through the yolk of their egg. So some scientists have discovered, at least from what I've been seeing and from the companies I've been working with, scientists discovered that if you vaccinate a chicken with whatever Whatever disease you want or pathogen you want them to produce antibodies to, they'll produce it through their eggs, and then you can concentrate those antibodies in the yolk of their egg. So there have been a few companies that I've written for that have been looking at this, both for GI applications, and one company was working on it for COVID, though I'm not sure it went through. But it seems to be very safe since every time you eat eggs, you're essentially eating denatured antibodies. But yeah, that, that's a really fascinating technology.
0: I, I could see doctors in the future going, have a couple of scrambled eggs and call me in the morning. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. That would be really cool, yeah. Where can people read more of your work? My
1: website is wordmedicllc.com, and I've got links to all sorts of stuff on there.
0: Is there any question... You would like to answer that I haven't asked.
1: No, I think you've done a great job. I mean I would I will have to say I, I as a fellow writer I checked out your work as well. Uh-uh. And I have to say that's <laughs> I was I was so excited to see that that you had interviewed some really amazing people, especially a personal favorite was Jeff Bridges. I'm a big, big Lebowski fan.
0: Twice. I interviewed him twice. And he said, like, he's my best friend now. But actually, I enjoy talking to people like you, sometimes more than some of the celebrities I've interviewed. Well, okay, Lana, I thank you very much for your time. Best of luck with your future endeavors. And again, when you're ready to become a physician, please check out a little town in Washington called Squim. You You got it. If you can't do the Bahamas. I'll make a trip out there. Okay.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for having me.
0: My thanks to Lana Schwartz for sharing her insights into this new world of DNA magic. The thought of every one of us being able to edit our DNA is both exciting and terrifying. Exciting because I wouldn't mind turning my eyes blue and be able to have a slim and fit physique without having to kill myself in the gym, but terrifying because I've always loved horror movies And I'm pretty sure I would just turn myself into a senior Frankenstein's monster. If you enjoyed Life Slices, please like us on social media and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Feslian Studios.